Yeah, that's why I had texted you. He was like, hey, we feel good for today. I was like, yeah, turned off. Dane could tell you, bro. I was like, man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I have my girlfriend in the room where she came down from Texas to just support me while the COVID 19 crisis. But um, yeah, I was up early this morning just getting ready, trying to put a hat on because I ain't got no hair. <laughs> I, just, look, I just got one yesterday, man. I was looking nasty. Uh, so nasty. <laughs> that's what's up, bro. are now listening to the duo sports and stuff podcast here are your hosts Deontay Epps and Dane Beasley hello and welcome to episode 16 of the duo sports and stuff podcast and we got my brother Dane of course here and Dane once again we have another special guest joining us man seems like we're trying to get you know a little diversity a little switch up on the pod because everybody gets tired of hearing us all the time chit chat um we have a baylor alum and also from the central texas area my guy derwin graham derwin appreciate you coming on with us man how you doing this morning doing good it's a blessing to be with you boys so i'm just happy to be here appreciate it appreciate it and so we the whole world obviously was captivated by this documentary. Talk about how you, your journey yourself going from Baylor track athlete to ESPN. How, how was that journey for you? Um, the journey, it was actually pretty good. It was, a um, it's interesting because I've been around sports all my life. My father went to Baylor, ran track there. I ended up going to Baylor, running track. So I've been around sports my whole life. So naturally I felt, I would be either continuing my career with track professionally or I would be eventually in a sports setting, whether that was like a news station or ESPN. Um, it's funny because my senior year at Baylor for media photography, we had a a question that was asked to us. It was, where, where do we see ourselves five to 10 years from now? And naturally, I put athlete or working at ESPN. So it's funny just to see that all come around. And sure enough, I'm right here at ESPN. So um, I think I've kind of always just been putting those little Easter eggs around me in my life, just kind of like yeah. speaking into existence. So, man, that's awesome, man. And like, you know, Dane and I, obviously we have a sports po- podcast here and, you know, sports has been a big part of our lives as well. And waking up every morning and, you know, as when you're young, you start out watching cartoons and then eventually it switches. You wake up watching sports center in the morning. And uh, so kind of talk about you your first time stepping on campus at ESPN, what what were you feeling at that point? Man, honestly, um, I got down here January last year. First time ever living outside of Texas. Um, and it was just crazy. It felt like uh, being a kid in the candy store. You know, you're just like, you're at the, the headquarters of like the worldwide leader of sports. So it's just like, man, over here, we got the, the sports center news studio set up. Over here, we have the cafeteria and they have a walkway that has like all the college football um, teams. You could press the button and it'll play the theme song, the fight song for the school. So it's just like the ultimate place for anybody that loves sports. So um, it just felt like being just a big kid again. Yeah. 
That's awesome, man. Like I remember on Instagram, I think you uh, were posting like right when you got on campus and I was just sitting there like liking every <laughs> picture, man. Cause like you said, it, it's a dream, obviously a dream come true, man. And so that, that is awesome. And uh, you've been in there for like a year now, right? Yeah. A little over a year. So probably okay. about a year and a half now. Okay. So there are a question for you. So based on your course, your coursework at Baylor, what type mm-hmm. of skills or strengths helped and translated the best there's your career with ESPN? Well, coming from a uh, Baylor's journalism, new media and a uh, public relations department in Castle Law, um, they put us through the fire. They throw us out there. They hold no, uh, no punches back. They want us to know that, Hey, we're going to hold you to a high standard. So when you get out into this real world, it's going to set you up and it's going to feel a lot easier. So I feel like um, they definitely put us in courses and gave us work that was at a professional level. So when we got out here, we weren't shocked at the real world. So um, professors like uh, Professor Curtis Calloway, uh, my guy, um, oh my, my one of my favorite professors, uh, Carol Perry, um, yeah, they really just helped me out a lot. They just um, let me know what it would be like for real. Um, after a few of my projects and stuff, they let me know that I had a, the ability to work at the high level. And um, they wrote letters of rec for me and they let me know, hey, if I need anything, I'm right here. So they, yeah. they just really looked out for us and um, they just showed us that we have what it takes to work at a high standard. from Colleen, Central Texas. You're from Fort Hood, Copper's Cove. Dane, we, uh, Dane's from Colleen as well. We graduated class of 09. So being from Central Texas and seeing how much uh, the, the Last Dance documentary had an impact on the world, how proud, what does that mean to you being from our area, 254 area, and seeing the impact that this made on the world? Man, it's, it feels... Um amazing actually it's just coming from where we come from you know a lot of our friends just aren't out here just doing the best of things um so just being an inspiration for like other people like i'm coming up i was at the clean boys and girls club the ymca and stuff so like showing somebody that came out there and made it to like a hype stage like this the last dance of one of the the greatest documentary series of all time like it just shows that hey we can make it out from where we come from we don't have to hold yeah. ourselves to a low standard we can be on this this scale so I've had like old teachers from high school and stuff reaching out and stuff now. Um, newspapers out there have been reaching out. So it's just crazy yeah. just um, just to see. I, I, I know, man, it, like that kind of goes with, I know your phone was blowing up and mm-hmm. I could only imagine like, it's just like being a star or athlete doing something crazy, but I can only imagine what the last few weeks have been like for you, man. So it's that's that's just amazing and awesome to see it all come together. I know for you for sure. Yeah, that's why I had texted you. He was like, "Hey, we feel good for today." I was like, "Yeah." I turned off. Look, they they could tell you, bro. I was like, "Man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous." I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I have my girlfriend in the room. We used to hang down from Texas to just tell me while the COVID nineteen. 
crisis. But um, yeah, I was up early this morning just getting ready, trying to put a hat on because I ain't got no hair. I just got one yesterday, man. I was looking nasty. Uh, so. nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, bro. So what was your role through this entire process? And, and take us through like a day to day as it pertains to you know putting this documentary out. So my official, I guess you could say, uh, role or position they hired me for was a production assistant, which doesn't sound like a lot. But with our department, like we do a whole bunch. Um, we come up with like the 30 for 30 taglines, like the what if I told you's. Um, we watch all the episodes, all the rough cuts of everything we put out there. They take all our notes and feedback. Um, we do a lot of stuff. We're more so many like associate producers. We're not really just production assistants. You know, how people like to just say, Oh, PA, go get coffee. Like not yeah. at all. Like, we have a lot of say so on things. We pitched ideas and stuff and people's stuff comes to light. But my main role with the, the last dance was archival producer. I handled all the ESPN footage that you saw inside each episode, one through 10, basically everything that you saw in each episode that wasn't from the team that followed them that final year was stuff that I found in our systems pretty much. And uh, a day-to-day looks like me communicating with the Jordan team. We'll have like a weekly call. They'll be like, hey, Derwin, for episode nine, we're looking for um, the Bulls versus the Jazz NBA Finals. Um, Can you pull everything that you have for that? Or the most random request that I got was, hey, Derwin, um, we need any footage of Madonna at a basketball game. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, okay, I'll try and yeah. sure enough, I ended up finding a clip and it made it into the film, into the nice. episode. It's crazy. But yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of just, um, they'll send me a specific detail like uh, Bulls Jazz June 2nd, 1997 or something. And yeah. I'm in there like a database, just finding stuff. All right. So yeah, you kind of talked about that. How, how difficult was it to find, like you said, with the Madonna footage, how difficult was it to find certain clips that were needed certain footage like how do, how does that work how how difficult was that so it's a lot of people will think it's just like youtube like i type in oh jordan highlight you know <laughs> pop up for real it's not like that um if you want highlights you're gonna have to like pull those individual games that the highlights occurred and then you like get those restore those and then you could like create the little highlight reel so it's not as easy as like a lot of these production houses would think when they're asking me these questions so yeah. um yeah, it's just um, it's kind of like a lot of keywords. Like they wanted Madonna, so I typed in like Sports Center ninety five, ninety six, whatever year it was, and typed in Madonna in like the text search for anything in our logs that had Madonna in it. And sure enough, one file popped up. So wow. it takes a lot of keywords. Uh, that's why things like the date ranges. If they give me some date ranges, I could search from that via the date ranges. Okay. Um, we could search by like TV show, like if they want something from part of the interruption or uh, baseball tonight or whatever it is for like the baseball stuff. Like um, it's basically just as detailed and specific as they can get that can help me narrow my search down versus yeah. type in Michael Jordan. And I got 50,000 pop ups popping up. Right. Hmm. OK, so you say all these uh, you say it's, very, you know, how difficult it is to find a particular, you know, uh, find a particular subsection or subject from all the information that you have access to, the videos you have access to. So what's mm-hmm. the most challenging part uh, during this whole documentary process? 
the most challenging part was probably juggling other projects, honestly, um, just because, I mean, it's the Michael Jordan one. That's, that was my main project that I was brought on for to ESPN when they reached out to me. So naturally, that's the one you want to tend to. That's your baby right there. So you want yeah. to take care. But you also have to realize um, it wasn't supposed to air until June. So mm-hmm. we had other projects that I was on that had higher um, air dates that were pushed up before that, like the Robin one, uh, Michael Vick, um, Dwayne Wade, Life Unexpected, mm-hmm. one of my other main ones. So I had all these other projects that I had to like tend to first, kind of, but still at the same time take care of my my child. So um, yeah. just managing all the different tasks that all these projects are asking me to help find footage for it was uh, that was probably the most challenging part. But um, I managed, man. I managed. Shoot, I I can only imagine how crazy it's been the last few weeks, man. like every sunday night uh social media was crazy in mm-hmm. uh as far as anticipating each episode like uh i had my fiance next to me and hey you know what time it is at eight o'clock you need to be right here and she like yeah she joined me and i know dane and his wife they yeah. watched it together as well and so it was a social media event people live tweeting about it and it was like a social gathering. Mm-hmm. So during, you know, what's going on right now with COVID and all that, what was, how did it feel that this documentary is having this kind of impact at this time during, during what's going on in the world? It just felt um, just real good to give people something to take their mind off of this whole crisis thing. I know with the live sports stopping, it was just like, yo, like, what is there to, to watch? What type of media can we consume? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Luckily, we had a majority of the episodes already done besides like the back three or four that were pretty much uh, episode one through six was done prior to everything happening. And we were still working on the back end. But um, luckily, we just were in a space where we could knock those out remotely versus still having to go out and like film anything. So um, it was just um, a timing thing. It was a blessing that we were able to just have stuff done and be in a position where we could release weekly and still work on the back end of things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there are a lot of, I'm assuming there are a lot of moving parts with the entire documentary when you have, you know, so many different premieres of, you know, each episode. So with mm-hmm. so many different premieres, you had so many people to interview and, you know, you had politicians, you had celebrities. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell us about, you know, if you were, what part, what subject was most interesting to you as far as the, the people you were interviewing and, and some of the stories that some behind the scenes stories that, might not be too uh, privy to everyone else. Well, I know personally, I missed a lot of the actual shoots with people. Mm-hmm. I had like other stuff I had to tend to, whether it was like other work stuff, like for, um, they were supposed to go interview Jordan the second or third time, how many other times they did. And I had to miss that to go to Miami or to Chicago for Dwayne Wade screening of his film that I was working on. So I had to miss out on that. But, um, and then another time they were filming, I forget who we were filming. But I had to go back to Texas. It was my son's birthday. So I was like, hey, family priorities. first. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of priorities in place. So I, I missed a lot of just the actual physical shoots 
So I don't really have too many stories for that. But um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all good. I- I just know it's crazy. Like the, I can only imagine like being in the same room with, of course, Michael Jordan, but freaking Dennis Rodman, man, yeah. he's, he's been such a character that he is. I can only imagine uh, what that atmosphere was like. Uh, but what surprised me the most about this documentary, I know Dane and I had a few episodes ago where we were previewing the doc and I, I think I specifically called it the Jordan doc. <laughs> and what surprised me more than anything, and which makes sense, is that it was not only focused on Jordan, but it focused on a lot of the other characters in the um, in the story, obviously. Is there anything that surprised you uh, going into it before that you learned that you didn't know before, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's funny you said uh, oh, the Jordan doc, because to this day, I still but it's really the 94 yeah. so we, we did it over here too it's just it felt just more natural just to say jordan doc but no discredit to other guys but it was just right. um, think about the 90s bulls and it's like jordan but um yeah what, what was the question again <laughs> uh, no i know it was a long-winded question what surprised you or something that you didn't know about the doc before that you learned while working on it or did, what something that you didn't know about the Bulls, Jordan, anything of, of that era uh, that you know now by working on the documentary? So coming up, I mean, yeah, I'm a 90s baby, but we were at a young age to where, like, we couldn't fully appreciate Michael Jordan and his game and that team overall in their game. So, I mean, we caught him on with his back end careers, 97, 98, and then with the Wizards. So to um, just go back and see all this footage and the behind the scenes stuff and them at practice and uh, just getting a real feel for Michael Jordan as the person, the athlete and the grind that he really had. Um, it was just cool just to go back and just to see how he prepared for stuff and how he played and he really was one of the best basketball players, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. Um, so you just get that full appreciation for who he was versus like now we have guys like LeBron, uh, James Harden, Giannis, uh, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. And we got to witness all of them physically play, but to go back and just be able to see Michael Jordan play, it was just, um, yeah, you get a full sense of who he really was and why he was such a big commodity. I know, I know definitely, um, I think I was talking to my fiance about it randomly because she she listens to me, but I mean I've been teaching a little <laughs> bit about sports stuff every time because it's just it's just me and her in there watching it, and I just start rambling about man. I'm like, I think I understand. Like obviously we're '90s babies and we didn't right. get to see it firsthand, and I was just like, I understand why you know people call him the goat because of all this and what he went through and his mentality, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, man, I was right there. I was right there with you on that one. So Darren, you mentioned to us earlier that the, about the timetable of the actual documentary being moved up from yeah. June to April. So tell us about the type of pressure that you all faced, um, putting this all together in such a short period. As soon as COVID hit, I was like, I wonder what we're going to do with the Jordan doc. <laughs> yeah. A couple of days, like I was on Twitter and stuff, scrolling. People were like, man, ESPN just needs to go ahead and push this up, push this up. And I'm like, don't y'all speak yeah. that into existence, man. And sure enough, that following Monday, we had a phone call, and I was like, so we're thinking about pushing the Jordan doc up, and we're all just like, damn. Yeah, we're, we're, happy, we're like, damn, like we got to like really work from our house and try and do this. So they were like, yeah, we're thinking about it, but we aren't sure yet. 
Um, so just keep it on the wraps for now, but um, just it's on the radar. And then eventually they, they made the announcement on ESPN. Hey, we're going to push it up. So um, it was a mad scramble. They were like, hey, if you can't get back to your office and grab anything you need from the office and get back to your house, don't work from the office. So I had to go back and get like all, I don't know if you can see all them hard drives back there, but it was like 15 mm-hmm. to 20 hard drives that I have of like Jordan footage that I pulled and stuff. And I had to work from the crib right over here in the corner with my headphones and stuff. And um, yeah, it was definitely a challenge because apartment Wi-Fi is nothing compared to like the ESPN Wi-Fi and stuff systems that we have yeah. servers there. So um, it was just a, a challenge just working with um, the footage remotely having to uh, have our meetings and calls via Zoom and stuff versus in person. And um, it takes um, a lot more time to transfer files from here versus transferring files from like work. Like it took two or three hours just to transfer one gig of files or something versus a gig at work is like 20 seconds. So there's a lot of patience and just understanding like, hey, you're working from the house. You can't push stuff out as quickly as you once could. Yeah. So you actually mentioned you, you walked right into the next question. So is there any particular set of footage that you that made the documentary that you were really proud of? And of course, what type of footage or what type of segments or pieces were, that were cut out that you were like, oh, man, I really wanted to see that make it. And you tell us a little bit about that. Whew, well, it was a bunch that I pulled that made the film. Um I was watching with my girl and I was just pointing like, you know, that little uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 uh, one that stood out uh, specifically was, I forget which specific episode. I think it was um, episode five or six when he transitioned to baseball. And the request was, I'll never forget. Cause I was like, how the hell am I going to find it? Um, yeah. It was like, Hey, we want any footage that you have of Michael Jordan in the baseball locker room of the Birmingham Barons watching the Bulls play on TV. And I was like, wow. What? And sure enough, I ended up finding it after like a week or two of just searching everything. I finally found it on like an old sports center. It was like a little 20 second clip and then they ended up using it. So I was like, man, that was cool to see that one because yeah. I, I was going to find that one. Oh, um, but also just seeing, um, I don't know if you guys tuned into the commercial breaks, but like the vault and remember when mm-hmm. I co they was like, hey, do you want to do this? It was me and my manager, Marquise Daisy, and they let us co-produce those, and they ended up airing That's awesome. a TV show. So, um, yeah, The Vault and Remember When, those were our two pieces, and I'm proud to say I got to co-produce with that. So. that <laughs> that's awesome. I know, like, it's I worked for a local news station here in Waco for a little bit, and I know they got a bunch of archive footage, so I was just thinking, like, in my mind, when y'all pulled the – baseball stuff i was like maybe they went to like a birmingham news station or asked them for footage because i know a lot of news station keep archive kind of stuff but so you know we live in a world of debate always have lived in a world of debate mm-hmm. and so in europe how do, how do you stand on the goat debate of michael jordan lebron kobe whoever and how did this how did working on this documentary change that perspective if it did at all or did it enforce something that you already believed about who you think is the greatest of all time. Man, see, the GOAT debate is always weird because it's like you want to fully appreciate people for what they did back then and then right. the now. But, I mean, just being so deeply involved with this Jordan doc, I mean, it kind of reinforced the idea of Jordan being the GOAT. Like, this man set the standard for everybody. He made himself and the Bulls are a global commodity and everybody had to have Bulls stuff and the Jordan sneakers and stuff. And he, he set it up 
at a time where there was no social media or anything, he just did it all off of just word of mouth, his name and his game. And he helped guys like LeBron be able to be where he is now, where he can be a global commodity. So, I mean, Jordan was the standard. So, I mean, you got to appreciate the standard. So I think he stands out because of that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think for, for me, for sure, I, I was, I don't even know where I stood before. Like if we're actually going to talk about, debate of course you like you said they're in different eras and stuff like that but man how could you not sit there and just appreciate after watching something like this the the mentality the effort everything that he put himself into to become where he is now and then i kind of and it's also about uh what the now of it like say in 20 30 years when a lebron doc comes out Man. about what he went through people probably gonna drop and say you know what i'm saying hey he's the what goat is, like as good as MJ, right right <laughs> like what have you done for me lately like we see we're seeing it now so that only reinforces a lot of people are gonna say go but that's 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 an interesting um thing because that's always gonna change like people are always gonna have their personal opinions so i i feel like that'd be a fun question to ask you like yeah, how that changed I mean, yeah everybody has different gold opinions you know somebody say mm-hmm. my bill jabbar is the goat because he's number one all time one some will say uh mac johnson or something so you know i mean it's yeah. interesting just to see just to hear people's takes and stuff and i don't think yeah. everybody's wrong that everybody's a great hooper out there so yeah for sure so out of every project that you've worked on so far, what would you say is the most rewarding or what would you say is the most memorable for you um, as of right now? Hmm, as of right now. I mean, they all kind of hold dear places in my heart. Um, I want to say the last dance just because it's the freshest one on my mind and it was 10 mm-hmm. episodes. So it was like 10 individual projects because typically a project is only about 45 minutes to an hour. So for us to push out 10 of those, um, that was pretty rewarding just to, to be able to pull that off when we weren't thinking about it until June and we pushed it out early. But um, yeah, I would have to say Dwayne Wade, uh, Life Unexpected. It wasn't a 30 for 30. It was an ESPN film. A lot of people, they confuse two. They think, oh, it's an ESPN film. Therefore, it's a 30 for 30. But technically, they're two different things. But a lot of people don't okay. realize that. But um, that was most rewarding because that was the one I got uh, brand new, nobody but myself on it. Um and I got to go to the live screening and record footage there and stuff like that. So I was there. For I remember you doing the that. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was probably my favorite one. Was that was that your first project? Oh, no. Um, Jordan was actually my first assigned project. Oh, OK. Yeah. So when I got the job, um, they were like, hey, you'll be working on a Jordan doc. Uh, somebody had started it prior to me. Shout out to Amber. She held it down before I got there. Um, so she handed it off to me when I got there. saw that you guys announced three more documentaries coming up for the summer. Can you kind of talk about those? 
Talk a little bit, not too much, you know. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a preview. Yeah, preview. I know, I know ESPN probably the red tape that I like, hey, what you doing over there? <laughs> but um, think, um we announced um that we just wanted to follow up with the last dance and we wanted to give um people more content just to be on the lookout for. So we had uh Lance, the Lance Armstrong documentary, shout out to Austin, Texas. Um Bruce Lee, that's going to be a real interesting one. Be Water, that's the title for that one. And then Sammy Sosa and Mark Mark McGuire, uh, Long Gone Summer. So we announced those three, I think, um, episode seven and eight, when those aired, we announced like a little mini trailer. And then nine and the full length one, the full minute uh, promo video for those. And we just felt like it was just time because um, we were pretty much done with Be Water and um, the Lance one for a minute. Now we were just sitting on them because we were going to do a festival run for those, but COVID nineteen happened, so we didn't get to really push yeah, them out. I know that changed up a lot of stuff. Changed up a lot, so we were like, "Hey, let's push up." There's nothing in the way of like, there's nothing else to air, so we could move those air days up as well. Give people more content to watch. And um, long gone summer, same thing. Um, that was scheduled to be like the summer, like late late summer, but um, the directors were able to uh, hold on. This meeting has been oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we I got that too. A notification <laughs> popped up. <laughs> yeah, we were able to move that one up too. The uh, director was able to work remotely too and knock some stuff out. So um, it was just a time we just felt like nothing else is out there. So instead of waiting until sports is back and then trying to fight for airing time and stuff, let's just push these up now. Let them get some right. through on the tail end of the last dance and the momentum that had. So, right, going on with that momentum. Mm-hmm. Are you working on all three of those? Uh, I'm working on Lance. I got hope. Okay. Lance docs, uh, Lance hard drives and stuff over there, and uh, Be Water. Be Water was my second project. They said I would work on. So it was Jordan and Bruce Lee, and Lance. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be toned into those for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, for our social media, we last night when you. Uh, agreed to come on man i sent a i don't know if you saw it i saw sent a social media like a not alert but like trying to get some feedback from some of our followers and listeners so i gave them an opportunity to send some questions to us so i got a few of those for you to answer uh from dane (laughs) he said uh are there more parts in the vault i mean i'm assuming he meant from the last dance from the last dance (laughs) I mean, it's, they had hours and hours and hours of just footage that they, I mean, it was a whole season they followed them. So I'm sure they have a whole bunch more in the vault. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Make the film. So, I mean, yeah, there's always more you can add to it. Right. For sure. For sure. And uh, from Chanello, she said, how did the making of this series impact you personally? Man. She went deep right there. I got to think on that. Um, how did it impact me personally? Um, I don't know. I felt like a little kid again. Cliche to sound, but um, I just, it took me back to a place where um, like me and my brother, he posted on Instagram, a throwback picture of me and him. And we had like a little bulls jumpsuit on and stuff. And yeah. back memories of being a little kid and our dad taking us to uh, like go play. And I, we had like the Jordans and stuff on and, um, yeah, it just felt like I was back in like elementary school again, just uh, talking about Jordan and stuff like that. So it, uh, it definitely hit home. And the last question we got from Garrett Hardy says, what was it like going through the archival footage and putting it together? Man, archival footage. Um, It was cool. It felt like I was like 
in class, you know, like you're in class or something and you're not doing the work, you on YouTube or something watching like highlights or something. Yeah. It felt like that. Like, <laughs> like, on a Saturday, something just watching YouTube highlights of Michael Jordan dunking on somebody or yeah. something. So, um, it just felt like I wasn't even just doing work. I was just doing some stuff I would normally do, like watching sports highlights. And uh, I, I just got to put my knowledge of sports to the test and uh, use stuff that I already knew personally to help me with my researches and stuff. So, um, it, it was fun. It was, it's fun researching what we have because we have a, a wide, wide range of databases and stuff here at ESPN. Oh, yeah. uh, not just We're our wide leader in sports. sports. Yeah, <laughs> not just our own personal collection of like uh, footage and stuff, but we also like get stuff from like, like you said, news stations and stuff that have footage. They'll send to yeah. us, license it through them or like ABC, NBC sports. Like we have a, a wide range of like um, stuff that we have for footage and stuff. So it, it definitely uh, it's fun. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. We, we thank you so much. I know, lot. like I told you, your phone's blowing up like crazy right now. And I, we very much appreciate you coming on to, to talk with us, man. It really means a lot. Uh, we appreciate it. And yeah, one of the things we like to uh, have our guests do, you're our third guest. First okay. guest was Omar Craddock. You know, Omar. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, yeah. So we had Omar on, and that was right, literally right before COVID hit. So mm-hmm. we were talking to him about the Olympics, and he was so excited. So kind of yeah. sucks about that. Uh, say, our second, Omar, our from, uh, summer track team growing up. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What year? Uh, shoot, two thousand five to like two thousand seven. Clean Blaze. Oh mm. man! Wow! Shout out to the Blaze. <laughs> Shout out to the Blaze. <laughs> For sure. Uh. Yeah, so you're our third guest. Second one was my fiance because she just had to get in there. So we did a fun little <laughs> snippet with her. Um, but yeah, man, we like to have our guests, you know, do their little social media plugs or anything they want to get out to the masses out there. Uh, yeah, feel free to uh, follow me on all social media handles uh, Primetime Graham, uh, P R I M E T I M T I M E, Primetime Graham, G R A H A M. Feel free to follow Thirty for Thirty on ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus. Um, we, that's where everything is. The whole everything we've ever filmed is on ESPN Plus, so you can watch the Robin documentary if you missed it. That came out in September. Um, all the Thirty for Thirties. Shout out to you guys for having me on. Shout out to Clean Texas, mm-hmm. Trappers Cove, Texas. Hey. We're out here. Hey, doing two five four, two five four, <laughs> from two five four all the way out here. So. Um, yeah. just follow your dreams, pursue your passion relentlessly, and know that you can do great things out here. Man, that's awesome. Couldn't have said it better, man. We appreciate, appreciate you, you so much for coming on, and uh, good luck to you on the next one. Yeah. We all gonna be tuned in for sure. Mm-hmm. And man, as we thank you, the listeners, for listening to this episode. We glad we're glad uh, Derwin could join us, and we'll have this up on YouTube hopefully by the end of the week. And we'll tune you in next time on the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast.